Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you wanna confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on Self-Worst Oh, you're listening to a podcast You're doing it again You got a podcast in your ears And you're going around doing stuff Walking around, driving around Doing laundry, doing dishes Whatever it is you're doing Hello Hi got a podcast on. I like putting on a podcast while I go do stuff because it makes it makes it concentrating easier. I find it interesting and mentally stimulating. That's you. That's what you sound like. And this is what I sound like. So, you know, not much better. Uh, hi, I'm Brad Pearson. Welcome to Self Worst Podcast. I'm, uh, you know, delivering this uh, on on the timeline such as it is. It's been raining for like three days straight. I'm in a bit of a fog. I, I It's one of those, I'm in my sweatpants. I don't quite know what to do with myself today. Tomorrow's my birthday. As I'm recording this, I don't know what day I'm going to actually put this out. But whatever. September 26th, my birthday. Me and Linda Hamilton having a birthday. And Linda Hamilton's twin, RIP. You know, she had a twin sister. Same birthday. That's how that works. Anyway, we're all turning a certain age. I'm going to be 39. Linda Hamilton is older than me. But same birthday. I don't know. I don't know. Who cares about years? And it's it's fine. I'm okay with turning 39. I've put out this podcast, and that's something that I do. That's a mark I leave on the world. That's some sort of thing that means something to somebody, right? It's good. It's fine. I'm I'm making art. I'm making self-expression. I'm making a thing uh, that's good and really good. And people like it. And I I talk to really uh, people who have accomplished more than me every week. And it doesn't get in my head at all. Doesn't make me feel weird. Speaking of, we're talking to Brandy Posey this week. Uh, she's a comedian, writer, show producer, all this stuff. Uh, she does all this shit. Runs her own label. She's, she's very DIY. You'll hear about it. It's, it's very, very impressive. The amount of stuff that she has done. And that's the self-determination. That's the, the discipline that uh, maybe I don't have so much of sometimes. I don't know. Just the focus. Just picking a thing and going with it. And really sticking with it. Not my strong suit. Got a whole lot of things in my past. That I picked up for a minute. Thought I was going to do. Didn't end up, it didn't end up doing. Artist. Filmmaker. Writer. Comedian. Whatever. All this shit that I, you know, just like a tried. Uh, I, tries a strong word. For what I did. I like dipped a toe and was like, it's too hard. And that's just been just a bunch of stuff that I've done over the almost 40 years that I've been on this stupid planet. Whatever. It's like that uh, Elliot Smith lyric. I'm a junkyard full of false starts. But 
the thing with that lyric is that's Elliot Smith who did some shit. He did a lot. He did. He made some of the most beautiful music and albums ever made. Emotionally resonant work that has a legacy beyond death. And he was depressed and he probably had ADHD and look what he did. Think he had some excuses? No. It's fine. I'm doing great. I'm not in my head. I'm not feeling weird. I'm good. I'm having a good good birthday week. No worries. Your boy's fine. <sighs> I don't know. You know what? I'm gonna get myself I'm gonna I'm gonna go do some shit. I'm gonna get myself out of this funk. I'm gonna, you know, whatever. Clean the apartment. Gonna maybe go lift. Do some stuff. Be productive. Be of service. That always gets you out of the hole. If you're in a hole right now and you feel like a um, sweaty piece of shit and you don't do anything but jack off, uh, go do a thing. Whatever it is. Do some... Just If it's one thing, send an email or something. Just get the... It, it's the inertia. The inertia is the thing. Getting past that is really hard. I shit you not, I've been sitting here for an hour with the microphone on waiting to record the intro. Uh, waiting for just, uh, I, I hesitate. I don't know, I don't know why. It takes, sometimes it takes some time. So I'm going to, I'm going to go do some other stuff now and let you listen to the interview. Um, that's about it. Uh, have a good, my birthday week. Um, you know, do some stuff be productive get you get your flu shot get your covid booster you know uh it, it, try to stay healthy and uh enjoy the uh the fall gloom that's coming in and just embrace it seasons change what are you gonna do you know it's, it's, yeah summer's over it it's a bummer and it's gonna get cold but look you get a dress crispy all the mosquitoes are going to die. You don't have to worry about those fuckers anymore. There's other stuff to look forward to. Anyway. That's all. Let's let's go to the interview now. Uh, I don't I don't have anything else. I'll, I'll I'll you know, plug all my socials and stuff on the other side of the interview. Goodbye. I don't know how people do all that shit, man. Like with just like they 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 make the, the Instagram posts and they got the TikTok and they got the captions and they got to post all the shit and like they got a multicam setup if they do yeah. it in a studio. I'm like, bro, like, yeah, that's I a whole production. Do not have time for that kind of stuff. And I don't, I know. I, mean, I probably do. I'm just not actually very productive with my time. That's the other thing. I don't <laughs> if it was paying my bills more, then I'd be a little bit more uh, aggressive with it. But you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's the hard thing is to yeah. uh, kind of make yourself keep doing shit. I don't know. I've, I don't know about you, but I've had just like a little bit of like ennui lately um, where I'm just like, do I, my passion projects, do I even care about my, do I even like my passions anymore? <laughs> like, sometimes I just <laughs> really hard. get down in the dumps about it, but that's okay. I mean, it's hard not to feel that I, I mean, about anything right now. So <laughs> I guess that's it. true. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we do it day by day. Happy 9-11, by the way. Hey, thank you. I'm wearing um, my Bush did 9/11 shirt. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So um, I mean, we we've never spoken before. Yeah. Um, is, you know, so thank you for for coming on a, a stranger's show about feelings. Um, totally. I feel like you know we we, we have a, a couple things in common. I, I just listened to your episode on the Mishka Shubali uh, podcast. Oh we, yeah. We've never talked to you before, um, but you know you, you guys are both comics so i guess you had that in common i'm not really a comic uh so i don't have that but you know we're both socialists and uh, we both have yeah. uh, little scruffy black dogs uh so mm-hmm. so that's good we have that going on um, i saw your little guy was <laughs> named jack right yep 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 um, short for michael jackson heart attack jr because i adopted him the day that michael jackson died <laughs> whoa that's <laughs> by crazy. accident that's i was at a... the shelter when i found out that he died i was meeting my dog as the news broke it was very weird <laughs> huh. that's nuts yeah. that's another like you know 9-11 you remember where you were yeah. i was i was in nicaragua i was volunteering there whoa um, i was teaching at this like volunteer like film school we were teaching uh like kids how to do like new media stuff to have uh-huh. like a little outlet or have like a marketable skill, you know, whatever. It was, uh, some white savior bullshit, but it, it was fine. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was fun. But anyway, I was there and I didn't mm-hmm. even know yet. And I was like out on the street and people were like pointing at me and, and just being like, hey, did you hear? Uh, because they saw that I was a gringo. And they were yeah, just like, yeah. do you hear Michael Jackson died? And like, it was like <laughs> one of the only times like people just like came up to me like unprompted and just like, yo, what's up? Like, did yeah, you hear you know this, this shit? Right? You white guy? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, it was really, it was really nuts. Um, so I'll be honest, I have not listened to your actual podcast, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get to it, you know, we'll, 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 uh, this is going to be one of those where, uh, I'm going to think of a lot of questions later. Oh, that's all good. No worries. That would have been a good fucking question. You know what I mean? My, my show is just like a fun, silly hang too. Like Mm -hmm. we don't go deep, like, well, sometimes we do, but not too, it's not like intended for that. It's kind of just like a fun hangout show yeah i mean which um there's both there's room for both of of those things in podcasting and um for sure i try and uh make my show kind of a deeper show Mm -hmm. and be like you know pitch it as this like it's about mental health and the meaning of life and fucking you know uh labor and what you're worth Mm -hmm. and all this stuff like but uh you know sometimes i just you know it's it's also fine to just goof around and and, and enjoy oh life for alone. sure you know what i mean well and like we also say that like i mean four women on a microphone is like unfortunately revolutionary just in itself uh mm-hmm. <laughs> especially if they're getting along and having fun and not being pitted against each other in some weird way so it's just like yeah here's almost 600 episodes of like women liking each other who are funny and like you know having a good time and being themselves like that yeah in itself <laughs> can can do a lot i think I feel like this has been a big thing for me just as an artist and a lefty, uh, just like feeling like everything I do has to have some sort of like meaning and message to Mm -hmm. it where it can just be like, nah, sometimes things are just like fun and look cool and are enjoyable and that can be okay. Like it's totally (laughs) fine to just have something that's entertaining or beautiful and doesn't have to be this like big fucking statement on the human condition can we relax well and isn't isn't just like feeling joy and giving it to other people spitting in the face of the billionaires anyway like the last thing they want us to do is enjoy ourselves (laughs) yeah exactly you could look at it that way that's a good way of looking at it um so how did you get started in you know the arts and uh what what brought you into that um, I, I've always been kind of an arty kid. Like when I, my art teacher in elementary school was my best friend. I remember 
I cried when I had to go to middle school. I stayed in her classroom after school. My mom had to come find me. She like could I didn't go out to the car like I was supposed to. I just was always an artsy kid. And um, I always I was always like I wasn't a class clown or like even that loud. I was a good student. But like with my friends, I was super funny and I was always doing um, just little bits just for them and stuff like that. And like doing not even like disruptive pranks, but just like weird pranks just to kind of make them laugh. And mm -hmm. um, I, music was actually my first love. Like I've been playing French horn since I was in fourth grade. Um, I wanted to play drums and my dad said, absolutely not. Uh, so then I asked him which instrument the wolf and Peter and the wolf was because I wanted to be yeah. the wolf. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, oh man, you're not going to be like the little piccolo player <laughs> that I think little girls are supposed to be. And I was like, oh no, I don't know how to tell you how wrong you are. Uh, French horn is the one brass instrument where you keep your hands stuffed inside the bell. So it like mm -hmm. kind of mutes itself. So it's like the only the one that's sort of quiet on its own. Yeah, you can and you can like adjust you can like adjust the pitch like you actually take it down a half step when you put your hand inside of it. So mm -hmm. you can kind of like adjust on the fly like with your ear if like your tuning's off or something. Um, it's a beautiful instrument. I, I, I love it. I still I still have mine. I don't play it anywhere near as much, but like I, I had like a scholarship for college and stuff with it. Wow. Do they yeah. use that a lot in ska? I know you're a big ska head. <laughs> I wish more. I wish they did more of it. I'm actually um, I'm doing Fest in Gainesville this year. It's just this big punk rock festival that has a comedy stage that I've done a bunch. And there's this guy, the punk cellist, who I reached out to because he does like cello versions of like emo and pop punk and like songs that are great. And I reached out to him and I was like, hey, man, if you ever want, like, I can bring my French horn to Fest and we can, like, you know, I could do a couple things with you. So I'm going to do some Taking Back Sunday song with him this year. That's going to be really fun. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I played violin and trumpet and tried nice. to pick up the guitar, but just I was too ADHD to, like, really make it stick at the time. Guitar I just, is hard. I, couldn't, I, I tried and tried and just couldn't really... Yeah uh stick with it so it was it was another one of those you know artistic passions that fell by the wayside and there's lots of those and that's I um i feel that okay that's the thing that i'm you know making peace with in in my late 30s there's like ah, eh, man well, i couldn't do everything fuck it but also like it's cool that you tried and just because you don't become the best at something doesn't mean you didn't get something out of it and True. i don't think that like it's it's hard i think often to kill the thing in our head that's like okay i must be excel at this and be great at this thing and it's like no nah, man like I think about that a lot. Like we've commodified so many kinds of art in our culture, especially in America, where we think that like to do something that we view as superfluous or whatever, we need to be able to do it well enough to make a living at it. And that's not true. Like, I mean, especially I think about this with comedy all the time. Like I think um, like comedy is like, it's really fun. I love to do it, but also like the most natural thing is a person telling a group of his friends like a funny story and if you can do that well and you're able to monetize it cool but like when people get very gatekeeper about it i'm like no this is like a caveman in a cave telling a funny story about a saber-toothed tiger yeah. this is like a way of connection we've always had like you know music if you're good or bad at it same thing like cave paintings it's just like you know it's 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 showing your it's expressing yourself and it's like uh you know, do, showing being vulnerable with another person, like through art of some kind. Yeah. And like, if you look at look other societies or other cultures, like uh, countries, they um, like they pay their artists like stipends basically just to like improve the culture just by being around. There was a guy in New Zealand that was a, a, a wizard in like a weird town. He got paid a stipend to just be a guy that was a wizard for like 40 years or some shit like that. And that guy, I don't know if he was a good wizard or not, but he 
was a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> People took pictures with him and that guy that paid his rent <laughs> for like 40 years or something. Yeah, I think about the way that other societies uh treat and subsidize artists and it 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 I, I can't think about it for too long because it, it makes me a little no. too sad. <laughs> um I'm I'm but, terrified to tour overseas because I'm afraid I won't come back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh like and I've been thinking about this a lot, like in terms of the the writer strike and 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 the SAG strike. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm on the side of those uh, those unions, um, mm-hmm. and 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 believe that their uh, demands are perfectly reasonable. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I hope that they win. I'm with them. That said, uh, yeah. I do kind of have this attitude of like the world doesn't really owe you a capitalistic like successful rich and famous life as an artist like it 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 doesn't really well yeah but most of the people in those unions aren't that they're not all. yeah like, they're not it's not like rich and famous like class. It, yeah and, and like i don't know it's it's hard to um it's hard to square the circle because like the examples that people i i, and I think like uh, oftentimes the ambitions that people have mm-hmm. when they when they go into these endeavors are like, you know, people do stand up and they want to be like Jerry Seinfeld or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, most people I know who have done comedy, they, a lot of them have even like gotten pretty close to like having, you know, like they've written on shows or they've gotten some success mm-hmm. and they, at the end of the day, they're most happy when they are in like a room with a low ceiling and about 60 people. And that's like really where the art form shines. And it's, sure. it's more about being just, you know, yeah, a, a, a troubadour and kind of a, an unknown. Um, mm-hmm. And that's more the, the, the life of the, the artist. like aside from all the, you know, just the fucking uh, Citibank uh, credit card, you know, commercials that you, you might hope to, yeah. to, to land one day for some, some money, but I don't know, man. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's difficult because it's like, you know, I don't I I've been a starving artist. I did not find it productive to my creativity. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't like the the romanticization of like having to live this hard life and having to have like not to take care of yourself like mentally or anything like that to like feed your art. I think it's all bullshit. Um, And I think people should just go to fucking therapy and do whatever they need to do to be happy <laughs> i am so over being a broke artist i am i am yeah. absolutely done with that with that whole thing it's 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 not uh cute anymore i uh, like i would i would love to make some money you know um yeah. it, whether it's doing this or doing something else i don't really give a shit anymore like it's mm-hmm. it's like that that wally sean quote from my dinner with andre like i used to only just think about like art and beauty and now i'm in my 30s and all i think about is money you know, and it's yeah. really just like the world just does that to you but, and you just. But it's not it's not money, though. It's security. It's safety. Yeah. You know, it's like it just it's it's because it's not like the greed of like that. It's like the you know, I want to make sure I, I'm safe and taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> and the people they care about also are, too, because I mean, most artists I know are also just like I want money so I can take care of people like yeah. or, you know, including myself. But like also I just want to know that everyone that I know that does this is safe. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. hard, I, and it's 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 getting to be the the amount of money you have to make to mm-hmm. have that kind of security is yeah. kind of ridiculous. Like, yes, yeah, I I've been vying for 
like I, I, I did a coding boot camp and, and have done like some software engineering stuff because it's never really what I wanted to do, but it, like a yeah. six figure income is like really kind of just a middle class income now. Like low six yeah. figures is a reasonable amount of money, which is an yeah. insane thing to say. Like if I had, I know. if you had told me that in my twenties, I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it, it, like I can get by on 30 K and like that I'll be mm -hmm. fine. And that is not acceptable anymore. You just cannot. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so you uh, have a lot of hustle, though. Um, you mm -hmm. uh, seem to have like really done a lot for yourself and 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 worked hard. So like, talk about that a little bit. Like the burnout versus um, you know uh, pushing yourself, and um, you know it, that can be a hard square to circle. Like being hard enough on yourself that you have discipline, but not so hard that you burn yourself out. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I have two things working for me that I think help that a lot. I think number one, um, I grew up like a DIY punk ska kid. So like mm -hmm. just being around people, like the bands and shit that I looked up to were very, we're going to do it ourselves. Like if we have a build a stage, we will. Like it just was like the work wasn't seen as a burden if the thing that happened was fun then it was all worth it you know and like you i'm a big believer in like community working together um to be like yeah let's like have a have a good time there's no reason like that work can't be fun sometimes you know um and i think the other part like my my dad's a cpa but he works for himself so i grew up in a house watching somebody run their own business from home and kind of just seeing like what freedom he had from that, but also what kind of sacrifice, what hours he put in. Like I worked for him on summers and stuff. Like I, I know how to do bookkeeping. Like I learned that when I was 10 years old wow. um, from him. And I think like, I think just that those two things, like just hard work doesn't, um, I, I, I don't, I, I can be lazy, but I think my version of lazy is like still very type A for like other people. Mm -hmm. But I think both of those things, I just like to to do things, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's funny because I have a TV and um, my roommates always like, you have this, you never watch this. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I just when I'm when I'm I just want to unplug when I unplug. Like, I just don't even want to be watching anything. I'd rather just like listen to something or just like you know, put on a fucking candle and take a bath or something, leave me alone. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I'm very good at kind of chilling out from that. Um, but like I, so I think when I moved, I moved to LA after I graduated college and I went to school for, um, for film, filmmaking and like screenwriting and stuff. Cause I was like, I want to work in comedy. I don't even know what that means yet, but yeah. like, I want to be around that in some way. So I guess I should learn how to do every part of a film set to figure that out. Um, and during school, I moved out to LA for six months and um, took an improv class at UCB. And uh, while I was here, I also started seeing like um, stand-ups like Patton Oswalt and like Paul Tompkins, Maria Bamford, and stuff. And like mm -hmm. I, to that point, I kind of like didn't really fuck with stand-up because the stand-up I just thought stand-up was kind of like broy assholes. Like the the clubs that I get like flyers. Give you that impression. To. Well, like the weird clubs that you would get, like the free ticket clubs and stuff like that. Just the the guys that would be yeah. on stage, they'd just be like, "Hey, blah blah blah," like just backwards was, baseball. I was bad. I was being facetious with that question. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it obviously is a very uh, yeah. It's it's a lot of culture. It. Yeah, and it's funny because it's like I um, 
so I to me I was like oh I just I would never want to know those people um yeah. and then when I started seeing people like Maria and everybody I was like oh this this I could hang with I like this this is interesting I you know like Kyle Kinane it's like you're more of a poet almost mm -hmm. with words you're so funny but there's an artistry to this and I think a respect for the craft that that I'm attracted to yeah um and I had taken some sketch classes and some improv classes and I just, I liked both, but I didn't really feel, it, I, there wasn't like a, a, a pop there for me. So I started doing standup. I, I just, I did like a, a four week workshop and, uh, and our main teacher was like this really hacky lady. And I ended, ended up just arguing with her for four weeks about why things were funny. And I remember at one point her being like, you're like one of those alt comics. You're like a Janine Garofalo type or something. Like she said it pejoratively. And right. I was like, I take that as a high compliment, but okay, thank you. <laughs> right. Um, and then I started going to, to Mike's, uh, which is like just where you go. And also I'd moved out to LA and I only really knew one person out here, but she also was kind of like in the suicide girl scene and it just was real chaotic and not really my vibe. Um, so I didn't really know anybody. So I was like, well, start, this will be what I do at night after work, I guess. Um, cause I was like a PA on, uh, on like reality shows and stuff. That's what I did when I moved out here. Yeah. Um, so I just like wanted some sort of creative outlet just to meet people. And the first mic I, I started going to like three or four months after I started going to it, like my favorite one, the host was like, I'm handing the reins off as anyone interested. And I just said, well, fuck it. This will make make me have to come every week. So I volunteered, me and another gal volunteered, and, like, we co-hosted it for the next three years, basically. And that kind of got me knowing everybody. And, like, I think I've just always approached, like, work and community as two things that kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I, as long as it feels like it's feeding you still, it's like I don't, I don't mind getting my hands dirty and doing it. Um, and, I mean, I do have good boundaries around it, I think, too. Like, I do see it also, I think, more as a... Like it is a job and it is a large part of my lifestyle, but I also do have pretty good boundaries around it um, with like putting phones away and like, oh, that's I'm not that I know that like when this this like big festival posts their thing that I know they won't ever get me, won't ever put me in. I'm just going to be on the road or I'm not going to pay attention to it or whatever. Like I know, you know. I, I I try to have really good mental health and boundaries around a lot of that stuff. I think also I have like uh, sorry, I'm a podcaster, so I'll just talk forever at you. Yeah, uh, that's all right. <laughs> um, my my grandmother was my best friend growing up, and she passed away right after I graduated college. And I think she gave like that her passing right before I moved to L.A. was like, uh, I don't know if you've ever lost a close loved one or not, but it gives you such intense perspective on everything else in your life that. It just anything, the highs and lows of comedy that will always be tempered by that to some degree, because it's like, yeah, OK, I've already experienced, you know, to this point, the worst thing in my life. Yeah. But bombing on stage won't bother me that much. Like these this stuff just doesn't will not hurt me as much as it, what, what's a, a, a constructive thing I can take from that then yeah. instead. You know, so I think that those those three things kind of come together to to give me like a healthy relationship with all the work. I also, all my jobs that I had out here before I kind of became a comic full time. Like I, I really do believe that a lot of your jobs can, if you look for things in them, they can work towards your, the, your ultimate career. If like you want, like I used to be a travel coordinator for reality shows and I book all my own tours and everything. And people are always like, how are you keeping this straight? And I'm like, no, here's my grid. Like I 
learn Excel. The number one thing you can do as an artist, I think, is like learn how to use my, like the the Word uh, or the the Microsoft Suite. Yeah, <laughs> it will make your life so much easier. Well, and financial literacy, which it seems like yes. you were already equipped with, yeah. which is a huge thing for artists, like myself Massive. included. Oh my god, I'm so fucking, I'm yeah idiot with money and like i'm i've been trying to do better at it and it's embarrassing and it's uh it's one of those things like as a uh as a millennial and a lefty it's something i'm especially like self-conscious of like just Mm -hmm. being kind of financially illiterate because that's like the stereotype and i totally fall into it and it's like embarrassing you know what i mean um i'm like yeah okay hard, sure though. you're right okay i don't fucking know dick about money i don't know i don't know i don't know how to b- do a they mortgage. didn't they purposely Nobody didn't teach that. us this shit though yeah they purposely didn't like imagine if we'd had a class in this stuff instead i mean a lot of i'm i'm really thankful i know how to keep my own books i'm also stupid with money because it's taken a, me a long time for like to have anything in a savings account that was worth trying to figure out if there was a way to make it work for me in any, any way, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I've, I was paycheck to paycheck for forever up until maybe the last couple of years, you know? And then it was just like, okay, all right. I, I'm not stressed anymore about using my debit card. Wow. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a, a wild place to get to in your late thirties, <laughs> but that's like most people I know. And even people that aren't in creative places. So that's the other like that's the comforting thing that I've been saying over and over since like 2008. I graduated from film school in 2008, right in the heart of the recession. Yep. And oh, was, six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And was just like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, I'm never going to get a job. I I've ruined my life. My student loans are going to start kicking in repayment in six months. I'm fucked. Yeah. And then I was talking to other people you know, who had made like the safer choice, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and they were in the same boat. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. So everybody's in this pretty much, Mm -hmm. unless you were like going into like tech or finance or you already owned property or already owned some sort of capital, you just were going to be living hand to mouth. And okay, fine, great. Like it it was a little comforting knowing that everybody was in it. Um, But still like not not fun times yeah still not fun it still would have been nice if like i mean i don't know obama had like bailed out people instead of the banks uh <laughs> or some yeah shit. <laughs> yeah it would have been good at, at any point would have been good that's you know? the thing is like i i've yeah. you know i i have a lot of principles as a lefty and as you know mm-hmm. we should support ourselves uh as as societies and we should uh you know equitably lift up everybody and distribute mm-hmm. resources uh, fairly and accordingly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, like, I have also, like, through years of trying to build a world where that happens, I have mm-hmm. also just become so jaded to the point where I'm like, yeah. eh, maybe I'm just, maybe I just need to, like, get a six-figure job and look out for myself because that's the only fucking security that there is, is money. That's the only safety. Yeah. That's the only freedom. And, like maybe I just need to like figure my own shit out before I, I, I try and, you know, change society, I guess it, it's, it's, well, it's hard to it's, know what to do. It's really telling that I, I'd be curious to know if you have, you have the same experience where like during lockdown, during the pandemic, the number of people I knew that when they got that, that like steroid unemployment mm-hmm. steady for, I mean, what was that almost, you know, six months, a year yeah. or whatever. And they could actually pay shit off. They got out of debt they they were like 
this is the first time I've been able to like breathe and like sleep yeah. and just chill out. And, and the number of my friends that were just like, I don't want to say this is like the best year of my life. Cause that's not true exactly. Right. But like, I'm, I'm less stressed than I've been. And there's a, a virus in the air that could kill me at any point, yep. And I'm less stressed. And like that just like, and it didn't take that much money to no. get people to that place. That was the most <laughs> money I've ever had. And yeah. I'm telling you, Brandy, it was like six grand in my bank account yeah. at a time. And I was just like, oh, yeah. cool. I have six grand. I don't have to worry about overdrafting my account this month. Like that yeah. was it. And mm -hmm. and it, like I had never like the last time I'd had that much money or even close to that was like I had. It was after college. I had to move back in with my parents and was like delivering pizzas, like doing like double shifts, mm -hmm. like getting as much cash as I can before I moved out to New York, you know, and, yeah. and, and just saved up a bunch of money because I knew I wasn't going to make a whole lot mm -hmm. and it was going to be yeah. very expensive. And like, oh, man, like, yeah, again, yeah. it just money is 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 just the eternal uh, specter that has just been following us our, our whole lives. Um which brings me to a question. Um, you actually, can you tell me more about the, the record uh, deal that you, you made on your, your album? Because um, it seems like you kind of broke the mold a little bit with, with how you uh, were paid out in that. And um, makes a lot more sense to me. Um, and, and seems like it really worked for you. Yeah. So I my first album uh, is called Opinion Cave. It's been out for, it'll be eight years in February. Uh, it's been paying my rent basically that entire time. Um, and I self-released it. I basically like figured out how to do all of it because most of the most comedy labels, um, the actually all of them, the deal is 50 50. Uh, and I was like, there's no fucking way that any of you would do anywhere near <laughs> would it wouldn't do anywhere near, uh, as, 50% of the labor of, of this album. Yeah. So I'll just figure out how to do it myself and then retain and make all the money myself. Um, so which means that like, I also, uh, you know, I figured out distribution. I figured out like how to do all this stuff. And, um, uh, the big, the big way that you make money with an album, with a comedy album, especially is if you can get in rotation on Sirius XM, uh, every time that a track plays on Sirius XM on one of their comedy channels, that track is worth $46. So satellite is very different from streaming. Streaming, you get paid 0 0.0057 cents yeah. a stream. It's garbage. But XM is real money. Um, so the idea of giving somebody else $23 a stream for what now I know to be true is at tops, five days worth of work. And that is being extremely generous. <laughs> right. You know, it's like it's not rocket science to mix a comedy album. Um, it's, you know, it's uploading it to a few different places. It's filling out a few different spreadsheets. It's going back and forth on art. Like, it's not that much work at all. Um, and I submitted my entire album. I don't know that other labels that are putting out, you know, five, six albums a month are submitting the entire albums to the to Sirius XM or not, or if they have, you know, and everybody has to submit everything to the same email address over there. It's comedy.submissions at SiriusXM.com. Like it's the exact same place. I'll put that in the show everybody, notes. Yeah, put it in there. Everybody, <laughs> let, let me double check it. I'm pretty, I'm 99% sure that's yeah. what it is, but I just want to double check to make sure I am fully right about that. Um, I will say there is like a lawsuit happening right now and they, um, they will only accept things from labels now, but I, because of this lawsuit, mm. but I, you am got in first. A, 
well, I'm a label now. Right. I, I made myself a label. Yeah, submissions.comedy at SiriusXM.com. Okay. Um, yeah, I... I, I LLC'd myself this year because I'm putting out another album and I was like, all right, well, I guess that means I need to figure out how to be a record label then. <laughs> so I LLC'd myself. I signed the contracts like with Sirius XM going forward. And then I'm like also helping um, some other friends who are really funny and or are hardworking that also kind of come from a similar DIY background yeah. to put their stuff out as well. And like I'm doing you know a much fairer split and like just because it's like I do have LLC fees to pay for and stuff, but like you know, I'm 80, 20 for like five years and then it's all yours. Take it, please. I hope you make money forever. <laughs> you know, you're so, so good at this and you're so like yeah. independent <laughs> with all of this stuff. And I think that that's, that's, it's pretty exceptional because I think it's really tough for people to understand both the business and the art side of show business. I think so too. But I also like, it was an interesting coming out here and like meeting people who were incredibly successful who were deeply sad about what their careers looked like was just like a huge wake up call for me to be like, Oh fuck. Okay. So that's the thing that the thing that I thought I want when I moved out here, I didn't know shit about the industry is like not what I actually want. I also, I've had, I don't have a manager right now. I've had three different managers. None of them did shit for me. And I'm, I gave them money on deals that I shouldn't have, that I wish I hadn't um, because it was like, Oh, I guess you're supposed to give your manager 10% on this. And it's like, okay, great. I just gave some asshole in a suit, like 10% of my money for why (laughs) you didn't do anything for me. 10% Um, of 500 bucks, you know, and it's also like, you're like nickel and diming me over like not that much over nothing. When you have like a 401k and like you have a salary and all this shit. Like I, I got really radicalized maybe in like 20, I think it was 2017. I, um, I have this show in LA that I do monthly. It's called picture this and it's comedians paired up with animators. Yeah. They live was, animate what, your show. Just to stop you real quick. Was that yeah, your yeah. brainchild? Cause I've, I've heard of that. That's a yeah, cool that's, show. That was, my, that was you. Yeah, that was mine. your, Oh my God. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, anyway, go on. That's my show. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Picture. We have, we have one in New York. It yep. happens at union hall. Um, Sam Varela is my co-creator and my co-producer and she produces the New York one. Um, and uh, yeah, so we sold a pilot to True TV and we were pitching it everywhere because everyone's always like, this show's so good. It should be a TV show. And I was like, hell yeah, it should be. This is great. So like, we pitched all these places. But when we were pitching it, uh, it was the same time that Ad Midnight had just gone off the air. And do you remember that Trivia HQ app mm-hmm. that like yeah. was huge? Some friends of mine worked like, on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, those two things were happening at the mm-hmm. same time. So every place we pitched to was like, but how is this show a game show? Like everybody wanted to make it a game show. We're like, it's just a good stand-up show, but okay, whatever. Um, and True TV was like interested and they had not said the game show thing to us until they bought it. And then they were like, actually just kidding. Now we want it to be a game show, but we'd already signed a contract with them. So then we had to like make this, it, it was a six month development process of having to develop our show into a game show version of itself. They also didn't let me host. And it, I'm really proud of the thing that we turned out. I think it's the best version of what they demanded that we do. I think it's really funny at parts. It's really good. Um, Michelle Buteau hosted it. She's amazing. And she was so cool. Cause she was just like, it is your show. What do you, how do you want me to host it? What do you want me to do? Like she was like, she got that it was weird that they wouldn't let me host it or whatever. But that six months, I, the entire thing, I got paid $3,600 for the entire pilot, the entire thing. How long Um, did it take you to produce the whole thing? 
that about about six months. It was like full time work for about six months. I for thirty six hundred dollars. Yeah. So I didn't have debt before that pilot. I racked up a bunch of debt just living off of because I I was that time I was also like. I was driving for Lyft. I, I, I had a couple of bookkeeping clients. Like I've always had a few plates mm -hmm. spinning because like I think a part of for me, my creativity too, is I like to have a source of income that's not related to it. So I feel like I can say no to shit yeah, that I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to be able to like let your art still feel like art and take chances with it sometimes. Um, but I was so that it was such an intense process that like I racked up my credit card debt. I was also stressed, so I was just stressed. You didn't have time to cook or anything. So, um, and then also when we shot the thing, then it was you know another month and a half of editing. And then when we, as soon as we shot it, they were like, "We're definitely picking it up. So keep your ca calendar clear until you know June or something." Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Okay," because I'm not like a person. You know, I wasn't a person that I could like, uh, you know book a bunch of dates and then cancel yeah. them oh they love so, doing that they love they love telling you like hey mm -hmm. also make sure that you don't have any other anything yeah. else going on in the future you of know on, on this thing that's yeah. a maybe they're so funny because like out here they're like yeah you're so funny you're a great comedian how can we make you do everything that's not comedy uh because then we have more control in you of you in all those other areas mm -hmm. um but so i had an empty calendar and by the beginning of March, they passed on the thing, even though they told us it was a definite go. So they that was almost an entire year that I didn't get to be on the road. Mm -hmm. um, I had been racking up my credit cards and watching like I was told I was told to live off of thirty six hundred dollars. I should be so lucky. But having suits that gave me horrible notes that were literally so stupid. Um, and then knowing that they had a full-time salary the entire time, it was like no skin off their back that I wasn't making, you know, that, that they, they yeah. were going to keep making the same money, whether my show wanted or didn't, you know? And so I lost a year off the road because of that. And I really, it radicalized me to, at a, to a certain degree. Cause I was like, you know, no, I don't play this fucking game anymore. I'm in charge. That's how it works. And I'll live and die by like what I do and I'll figure it the fuck out. And it's like, I, it, did, like turning my back on Hollywood in a lot of ways really like made me it changed a lot of the game for me in a lot of ways. You know, there's a, certain things that I won't get because of that, but I don't give a shit. I don't want them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you're a, you're a very um, independent, uh, self-determined kind of person. It seems. Yeah. Um, how did all of this uh, stop you from like radicalizing in, in more like the like libertarian small business owner kind of direction <laughs> what what stopped you from going down that road i mean i think it, a lot of it is just like coming up in like uh like a punk ska place and just like the ethos of community and just seeing like how how valuable it is i think also like i'm i'm lucky in that i was raised in like a I was raised as a middle-class household, so I was never, like, I don't have a big scarcity mindset because I also feel like that is, like, the de if, if that is what you see, then that is what you will get, you know? So I, I and that is a little bit woo-woo, but I get very, like, no, man, no, that's what I want. I'm fucking going for it. I dare you to be in my way. I'm very stubborn. <laughs> but it's also, like, I, wanna, I want my friends to succeed. I want people around me to succeed. I, I have, like a justice streak. I've always had one. Um, I mean, and I think I grew up right outside of DC. So mm -hmm. I think just like watching, 
you know, my, my next door neighbor was a, uh, a secret service guy that worked for George Bush. It's like my, uh, several of my friends, their parents worked for the NSA. Like we're recording this on nine 11 when nine 11 happened, like half of my friends did not know where their parents were. Like they Oof. just were like, they're on, they're on assignment somewhere. We don't know where are they dead? Like, so I just, I think I just was always like the idea of being a libertarian is like such a an adorable little utopian ideal that like, I'm sorry, look around. It's just never going to fucking happen. Like, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, there are, part, there are things in it that I'm like, that's cute. But if you want, if you took your logic a little bit further, I think you would actually see where it ends up at. Um, which is why I think like, yeah, I think it kind of, it almost go. makes <laughs> sense as a, as an ideology. If you didn't understand mm -hmm. how capital works yes. and how, uh, mm -hmm. people amass billions and billions of dollars. And like, when you talk about like the Mercers and the Koch brothers, like they're libertarians, they're like anti-governments, like full on yes. like ANCOM people or ANCAP mm -hmm. people. And like, that's the logical conclusion. It's not like you run a shop and you're prosperous yes. because the government gets off your dick. It's mm -hmm. that there is just people who have unfettered uh, yeah. power and, and just become like rise to this oligarchy because there's nothing there to stop them. That's yeah. this exploitation. Like, the, yes. like people, yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me, like to have that perspective if you are in the position to want to become that kind of a, you know, person, but I, I don't want to be that kind of guy. So, and I don't want to live in that For kind sure. of world. Well, and I think too, like I get, I get into this argument with my, my dad a lot. Cause my, my dad is like, uh, he was Democrat his whole life. And then he got Fox news brain. My mom passed away and it, mm -hmm. I think it, it made him very bitter and it kind of coincided with the rise of Trump and not to make excuses, but I think he's more of a libertarian actually than a Republican because like the government took his far the farm that he grew up on mm -hmm. and eminent domained it as a child. There's a whole, there's a whole shit. There's a whole lot of shit there. But, um, we, we talk a lot when we're, whenever we argue about stuff, he always is like the government. And I'm like, yeah, but the laws are made ultimately by corporations that if they were being regulated, pro like the problem is corruption ultimately yeah. like, and, you know, he he's a CPA for a lot of small businesses and he's just always just like the regulations are killing us. And I was like, yeah, the problem is those regulations are being applied to, say, every company at that level. And, you know, it's all the same versus like, hey, little guys should be getting something different than big guys to try and make this a little bit more even. But that isn't yeah. happening because of corruption. I was like, it's not it's not that regulations are a bad thing. They're how the meat that you like to eat is safe <laughs> yeah it's hard to i mean that's the thing that's like politically really hard to sell to people is that like actually laws and taxes and regulations are good if they're applied correctly like that's yeah. the that's the thing and it's not sexy to tell people that like hey we should be paying taxes you know uh because a lot of people like you know they are burdened with yeah taxes because it's mm -hmm. not that taxes are inherently bad. It's that the tax code and who has to pay the most yeah. and who doesn't pay shit are, is all out of whack. Like, I don't know. It's Well, it's and you look around, thing. you see where your tax money goes, and it's, like, hard to want to give them another penny yeah. when you're just, like, you're not even doing the things that, like, the people want. You're just making us into a fucking police state, uh, even more so than we already are for the world. So it's just, like, uh, I mean, I get it. Believe me, I get it. <laughs> it's frustrating. But it's like when you look at like smaller, I, I feel like there are like I, I, I look at like local politics and like that mm -hmm. and like 
where those gains are made and like how those communities are functioning and everything. And like that, I think is like the hope and the dream. Like, I think there yeah. is something to federal government's good, but also like if you can like be involved in your community, yeah. you can help be so much more meaningful. That's the only you know? game we can win. At it's, this it's, point. The, it's the only one it's, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's here in LA. It's like, we have like in the last few years, we've gotten three or four progressive city councilmen mm -hmm. on our city council, which is like huge. And they aren't, they aren't a majority block to vote yet, but like, you know, we're building it over time, but there's like a lot of mutual aid groups and all mm -hmm. sorts of stuff out here. And it's like that, that is also like where you see, where you see community at. Like those are people that aren't like, to me, like the, the difference between being a socialist and a libertarian is like a community fridge versus a ring cam. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. It's like it, ring cams are loser shit, man. Like <laughs> my aunt has one and she never had an alarm system on her house her entire life. She gets this damn rim ca ring camera and she's that she locked that place up like Fort Knox. You have to like type in codes. You can't leave a window open. It's crazy because she just sees a steady stream of, you know, like suspicious activity. Yeah. And I'm like, that's been happening the whole time. But you didn't know. And it's not that big a deal. And like you're stressed out. And now you don't trust any of your neighbors. And like, I don't know, I've. I've I know all my neighbors were like acquaintances. It's everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not if it, it's, it's interesting because so much of like so many of the problems in the world right now, I think that like, if you just got to know the people that lived around you, like a little bit would kind of go away. Like people wouldn't yeah. need to be as addicted to social media. They wouldn't feel like they, they needed to like have some weird online persona on there to like, uh, you know, try to gain attention from like the masses versus just like having dinner with your neighbors or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, AI wouldn't be such a fucking thing that we were so stressed out about if it was just like, yeah, and you wouldn't need to be constantly ha having entertainment shoved down your maw. If you actually just <laughs> had something on your social calendar every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If there's one like sort of positive thing that came out of the pandemic it's that i think it brought a lot of communities closer together mostly just because yeah. the institutions just completely mm -hmm. uh failed to deliver on, on, on yeah. most everything and uh you know people were kind of left with no choice and you know so many mutual aid like in in my neighborhood too so many mutual mm -hmm. aid organizations popped up and kind of stuck around too yeah um in in a really beautiful way and you know joining during like you know just a really fucked up scary time and like having a sense of community and learning who your neighbors are and mm -hmm. uh getting on a like a first name basis with everybody in your building everybody on your block and like you know it's it's that's not a uh that's not i think what new yorkers are used to um mm -hmm. in a lot of ways like there is that sort of idea of new york as this yeah. like big anonymous you know sort of like borg collective thing but like it's it's um it's a better opportunity here i think than in a lot of places to yeah. really know a lot of people because we're mm -hmm. around each other all the time we're not really like there's not much separating us space-wise yeah. like you like you're you're in people's faces all the time you should know who the fuck they are like yeah absolutely no that's absolutely yeah i i feel that way I, out here in la i live in a i live in a trailer park out here there's like 32 houses cool. and um we do like quarterly potlucks like four times a year and just like everyone brings some bullshit and we like hang outside and like it's it's just nice like we aren't no one's like 
you know, I have a couple close friends in the park that I'm like really good homies with, but it's like nice just to say hey to everybody. When you see them, you know their names, you know what their deal is. It's like, you know, I know which neighbors speak mostly Spanish. And it's like, you know, the pandemic, especially like there was a point where I was like, it's you need to you need to start speaking Spanish more like you do not. You <laughs> you live in L.A. Like, stop it. Come on. Get better yeah. at this. So it's like I've been duolingoing for years at this point. I've gotten bad. I've definitely gotten better. I can hear it. I understand what I'm hearing a lot more. And it's been super helpful with mutual aid stuff, too. Yeah. And it's like extremely fulfilling, you know, it, and to a degree more than like stand up shows a lot of the time. You know, sometimes I'm always like I hear people complaining about shit at, at comedy shows. And I'm just like, man, you should you should go find some gratitude and like by working with like people in your community a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the other thing, you know, like with, with a lot of other, with a lot of art forms in general, but, you know, I think, I think I, I talked to a lot of standups on here, so I'm using mm -hmm. that as an example. Um, you know, the, the grind really gets into people's heads and the sort yeah. of, uh, culty, like pleasing club owners and bookers sort of yeah. attitude and getting into these clicks and getting like, I need to get on this podcast. I need to get on that. And, and like yeah. really becoming a careerist about it, like is, is a real, um, pitfall. Like I, um, much like you, like I, I discovered a lot of, um, uh, you know, the alt comedy scene, like in the, in the, mm -hmm. you know, 2010s, whenever that was when the comedians yeah. of comedy came out and was really inspiring. Um, I wanted to do comedy uh, for a long time. I don't. Can you hear that? There's somebody's like revving their engine. I live right by a fucking dump. Ba barely. Like <laughs> okay. Zoom is is kind of cutting it out. It's like Zoom's something's happening, but I can't. Yeah. So I, I live right by a junkyard. So that's that's oh, where I, I like. One of my one of my best friends lives by a junkyard. Song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I did it a little bit, but like ultimately, um, I don't. I don't know. I think I was. I was a little too sensitive. I was a little too uh, just internalized shit too much, just spiraled too much, didn't really have it together. Um, and, you know, so like I'm always really impressed and kind of in awe of people who who stuck with it, especially when they are people who I get the impression that like mm -hmm. you're a very sensitive person as well, but you mm -hmm. were able to kind of fight through that. Um, yeah. So how, how are you able to 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 do that? I mean, I think that like, I I mean, I think a lot of the time there was just like, I was always funnier than like the assholes and the bullies like pretty quickly. I also like, if I went to a mic and it seemed like it was majority, a bunch of like, you know, racist, misogynist pieces of shit. I was like, well, I'm not going to get anything out of this. And I don't actually believe that like you need to. A submit, submit yourself to that to make yourself tougher. Mm -hmm. Like the, a, cr a regular crowd will make you tough enough if you go in front of enough of them. Um, so there were places I was just like, fuck that. I'm not going to fuck with that place. And I just like always created my own spaces. Like I ran that mic for three years and my mic had like a, we didn't even have rules, but it was like people that gravitated towards it were not going to tolerate that shit. Like, it, no, no one would even say anything to you, but you would just bomb your ass off. Everyone, we'd have guys come in and they'd say a bunch of crap, and then like to silence in the room. And if anything, you get a little <laughs> out of me as I watched right. you bomb, and you knew you were being laughed at for bombing. Right. Um, and then they'd get mad, and they'd be like, "Oh God, I heard this is the best mic in town." And a lot of people thought it was like because it was like I ran it like a show. Um, and I was like, "Well, don't know what to tell you, man. You get, you're not good." 
you're not you're not going to work in this room. That's just not the vibe. Go work. Go work in the ones that you work in. And I open guess mics are all woke now. Can't say anything anymore. <laughs> I know, except for the twenty other places you're going to tonight. Um, and then I started. I just ran like I ran that show for three years. At towards the last year of that show, I started another show called the Four and Twenty. Those four comics doing twenty minutes each with a ten minute host set, and I booked that and ran that. That was my first like book show that I ran. Cause I, and I did twenty minutes every week, so I wanted to learn how to do twenty minutes. And that was at like a dive bar bowling alley, so I was in control of that lineup. Um, and you know, only had on people that I was like, I think you would use this time well, and like, let's all figure this out. And the people that came every week were like really tiny audiences, but like, you know, with I, like three homeless guys that came every single week, they fucking loved it. You know, I got my Arturo, my one dude, I got him on stage a few times telling stories. And he had crazy ones, yeah. <laughs> so it was, and he would he would like. He would heckle a little bit. He would like tag your jokes with stuff. Like he was a weird comedy savant a little bit. He had like, he was extremely funny guy. Um, and like, I kind of just was like, I'm going to figure this out. And then, you know, I got, got a good tape at some point was getting into festivals. And like, I kind of was like always just going to build my own path. And those people weren't welcome on it. And, you know, I'm sure there are people that think I'm like, snobby or aloof or whatever but like if you're a piece of shit yeah i don't need to give you my time my time is valuable it's i'm better than you um go <laughs> bye <laughs> like okay i'm okay with that <laughs> you know and like that doesn't mean i'm not getting in the way of you doing it you're just not going to do my stuff and you're not entitled to any shows i'm not entitled to any shows there's plenty of places i don't get booked either but i also don't want to be there so whatever go run your own shit <laughs> How's um how's your mental health? How's how's it been lately and and how's it been, you know, sort of overall? What's your what's your uh, journey been on all of that? I mean, it's been it's it's been ups and uh, ups and downs. I mean, I am uh I tend depressive. Uh I've been on Wellbutrin for years at this point. Um oh god, probably like 7 or 8 years probably. Uh I I've been in and out of therapy. Uh, I've, I've been with the same therapist three three different times now. Um, when I moved out to LA, it was the first time I ever got therapy. And I, I, it was, when I moved out to LA, it was six months after my grandmother died. I was out here with a Thomas guide, just trying to figure out how to get coffee to executives, just sobbing in my car, just trying to figure out what my life was. And I was like, this is unsustainable. We need to go, we need to go therapy and figure that out. So I like, every penny I had went to therapy. I just, I was, you know, still on my parents' plan and was just like, I need to pay for, par I, need to be, I need to be in therapy. I don't even know. And that was like uh, life-changing for me. Uh, my therapist's name is Melissa. She's awesome. I was with her for like three years uh, when I first started. And then uh, at a certain point, she was like, I think we're good for now. And I was like, all right. And then hmm. um, like my mom got sick maybe a few years after that and I like reached out to her and I was like hey I think I this is going to hit me extremely hard I know that's going to happen I need I think I need to come back and I, so I tried to like just be ahead of it because I did I I loved my mom but I had a very a much more difficult relationship with her in a lot of ways than my grandmother like she was she was very religious like she just was very the opposite of me in a lot of ways and so we just weren't we just I, we had a, a different relationship yeah. and I was like these those those tend to be more hard to process because it's like you're not only mourning the person but you're mourning the possibility of the relationship that you wanted to have with that person 
Um, so it's like several different things you're kind of dealing with. Um, and then the beginning of the pandemic, I reached back out to her too, cause I'd just gone through a huge breakup and like, in like January, 2020, which was great. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> but like, um, I was like, I need to figure my, I need to, I need to like get my head on straight and like filter my shit through a pro's brain again. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, saw her for another, you know, probably year and a half. And that was, that was, you know, she's, she's been helpful at different points with everything. And I mean, I read a lot of, um, I read a lot of, uh, self-help book not a lot of self-help books but i do like we'll we'll thumb through them um like i uh i don't have it right here there's a book about love addiction that i love a lot because i think i tend to i can tend to fall into those kind of patterns mm -hmm. pretty easily um i don't think i'm like a, i'm not like a full-on love addict but it's like oh this a lot enough of this rings true that i should be aware of it yeah <laughs> um and i think that's honestly most creatives probably fall somewhere on that spectrum mm -hmm. um and uh, I think it's like, I, I'm real, I've never, I can ca I'll call myself straight edge, but like, whatever, I'm 40, who cares? Like, but right. I just, <laughs> you know, it's like, I get I just, what like, you're saying. Yeah. You're... Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm proud that like, I've, I've, I've never drank any alcohol. I've never done any drugs. Like I never smoked cigarettes and like, I am fine with that. And that yeah, was but never how like, do you, how do you deal with life when you feel like restless or <laughs> fucked up or sad or whatever, angry and you just you're crawling out of your skin you want to get out how would have what do you do then you go for a walk <sighs> or you know you go for you do healthy things <laughs> <laughs> you process it you you go through it <laughs> <sighs> you know you, you you go for a walk you, like i've like i have a peloton like i love mm -hmm. to like just sweat it out like physical shit works for me a lot yeah. um i i go to a fucking ska show i mean dancing dancing it out and sweating it out, skanking at a ska show, like was a religious experience for me for most of my life. Like I'll still tear it up every once in a while, but you know, knees, 40 year old knees now. Um, sure. <laughs> but like my, I think I, I, I fully credit live music with like keeping me from teetering towards any true abyss as a younger person, because it was just this, like my, my, my calendar was filled with shows. That was like, that was my mental health shit it was just mm. like, going to Scott shows, big around people, dancing, singing, screaming lyrics, just having like, just like letting it out of my body. And to me, it's like so much of that stuff like manifests physically that like just getting it out helps crying, crying it out. Like I don't cry that much, but it's like when I'm like really upset about shit, I'm just like, Oh, I think you got to like watch something that makes you cry and just like work through this. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's just, I, and being uncomfortable. I mean, I think that like, Americans especially are very um we we don't like to feel uncomfortable yeah. and we are we try to do anything anything to distract us anything to numb us anything to for a second like the number of pain number of pain pills that fucking give you for basic things oh, yeah. is crazy. I'm, I'm reading I'm reading dope sick right now speaking of like uh, yeah. shit that makes you cry is <laughs> really sad yeah. it's <laughs> it's oh man yeah Brutal. yeah it, and it's just like, I mean, I had, I had like a breast reduction surgery, like 10, maybe 10 or 12 years ago or something. And, um, they gave me so much oxy and I like brought it home and I like, I had an extra strength Tylenol the next day and I was fine. I was like, I don't need this. What? Mm. And like, I don't think I have that higher pain tolerance, but it's like, this is not, 
like I can just be a little like sore and I'll just sleep through it. It's fine. I'll be I'm not going yeah. to anything anyway. Pushing um, through discomfort is a big discipline that that I yeah. like had to learn. Um, I, and I yeah. think and I think exercise actually really helped me out with that. Mm -hmm. I started doing like Muay Thai and kickboxing nice. and um, you know, that's a like very like heavy cathartic, uh, kind of, kind of movement. Um, and yeah. I needed that cause I just have yeah. intense emotions to work out, but also, you know, it's a pain sport and, yeah. uh, yeah. embracing the pain and discomfort, um, mm -hmm. and knowing that that's a part of it and not always wanting to like feel good. It's like, no, your shins are going to be bruised to shit and yeah. like until they're not, and then they get harder yeah. and you're better. Mm -hmm. And you know, like, but you just have to like work through that and be uncomfortable for a while because totally. you'll be better on the other end. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and this is, this is I'm going to quote my boyfriend, but he's like, no, he looks like a soccer. He's like not a muscly man at all, but he's like, he has these like two thirty five pound weights. So he does like a lot of arm stuff with, mm -hmm. and he's like, nothing did anything for my, better for my mental health than starting to lift heavy shit like yeah. that. Just what that did for the serotonin levels in my brain. It just, he was like, it's shocking to me how much better that made me feel. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and yeah, you wouldn't necessarily know, know what to look at him, but it's just like, yeah, it's, it's, that shit does, it makes such a difference. It does wonders. Um, yeah. How much time do you have left, by the way? Um, cause I mean, uh, we can, I can, we can wrap up, we can keep going for a little bit longer, but it, it's, it's, uh, I can keep going. I can okay. keep going for a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, with exercise, like, I mean, I hate to like sound like kind of like a gender essentialist about it, but like mm -hmm. finding a more like, uh, uh, I guess, traditionally masculine kind of workout kind of mm -hmm. thing, like really helped for me. And I, and mm -hmm. I think that it also kind of helped me understand, like as like a nerdy kid, helped me kind of understand where like gym bros who I never really, I mm -hmm. felt like I was in a different world from for my whole life. Yeah like where they were coming from, like, oh, I get it now. Like this does yeah. something chemically for you and mm -hmm. this uh, releases something. And, you know, like I, I can go on and on about like the the kind of broy stigma that like mm -hmm. martial arts and lifting has. And there's a lot of that's mm -hmm. true, but a lot of it's really overblown. And there's actually like a lot yeah. of really cool, um, you know, compassionate, interesting mm -hmm people within that sport yeah oh absolutely it's like my my roommate is a um she's a she's a triple back black belt in uh i forget what kind of karate uh but she and she she has raging adhd but she credits a lot of like mm -hmm. learning how to deal with that to the discipline of having come up through a karate background you know it's like you know it's precision it's like memorization it's like yeah. working having goals to work towards because i think like a lot of the time it's like you know, it, it can be hard to have short-term goals and things, yeah. some, I think, sometimes. And we can just feel very unmoored just trying to get from thing to thing to thing. And it's like, no, if there's, you know, a belt you're working towards or like a competition or like, oh, I have a fight against that guy or something, then it's like, okay, that's a thing that isn't work, isn't money yeah. that I'm, like, working towards that's, like, a different goal. And, like, I think people are just we're very goal oriented, you know, yeah, a lot, a lot the, of people the, are. Um, the discipline factor, speaking as somebody with ADHD is, is huge yeah. because I mean, 
I have an aversion to structure mm-hmm. and discipline. Like when you talk yeah. about like having all this stuff on your calendar, all these different shows, like since you were a kid, yeah. all the different shows. And now you've got like shows you're making and like you're just yeah. like very go, go, go. I do thrive when I'm in that, but I have to kind of be pushed into that. I have to like sign up before I change my mind <laughs> and get into a yeah. commitment. Um, Cause otherwise I just won't like, and, mm-hmm. and it's like discipline you know, that's heavy in martial arts, but with a lot of other things, like with learning how to code, like I decided that I needed to do a boot camp, even though it was going to be like, you know, yeah. I have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I knew that I was going to have to be pushed. I knew that I was yeah. going to have to be kind of like dragged, kicking and screaming through the learning process, even mm-hmm. if it was something that I wanted to do. Um, and so like, that's been, that can be really difficult, I think, for people with ADHD is the self-determination thing. Like when you are in this sort of nebulous thing, like now I'm out of the boot camp. I didn't have yeah. a lot to do today. Like I've got a couple of clients, but like I, my work was pretty much done. I was trying nice. to like read and learn mm-hmm. more about like I was reading a chapter today about big O notations, like some mm-hmm. computer science bullshit. I couldn't fucking do it because nobody yeah. was holding a gun to my head, like forcing yeah. me to <laughs> stay with it. So like I, I didn't get through the fucking thing, you know, like it's, yeah. it, it can be really hard. Yeah, no, I feel that. I think we're, we're also just like, we're such creatures of momentum too, that it's like, once you get going, it can get easier, mm-hmm. but it's that initial, like, ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's again, hard. like if it, like with exercise, like it, if I'm signed up for a class and it starts at a yeah. certain time, I will be there. Gotta be there. Um, yep. if other people are counting on me to do the shit, I will, mm-hmm. do, but if I've got like, I've got my kettlebells here, like yeah. in my house and like, I can do it, but it requires a lot of willpower points to get me there yeah. and get me started on it. It's like, I will literally just stand there staring at the window like waiting to start my little timer yeah yeah and just like be hesitating for like a half hour at a time and just like well now i don't have time to do it like you know yep. like shit like that is just it's I, lifetime I of impossibility it's it's hard it's hard it's like i i do i do like little dumb things where like i they're not dumb uh i like like i'll make i'll like literally print out a physical calendar of mm-hmm. like these are the workouts I would like to do and I will cross them out and yeah. then I see them every day. And then I'm like, I try to game if I gamify so much shit yeah. for myself that I'm just like, let's see if we can get the whole week done. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. I got half an hour. Let's like, it's like that, that kind of stuff helps me actually do it. Cause then mm-hmm. it's like, then it's like, Oh, will my OCD override my procrastination? I bet it will. <laughs> this is another thing we've kind of lost. I think in the, in the digital age is the wall calendar and the whiteboard mm-hmm. and like having like a physical thing that you can't turn off. You have to like, yeah. you, like apps are cool. And like, you can have like, you know, there's like fitness accountability apps and stuff mm-hmm. like that, that I think can work for some people. And there's of course, you know, thirst traps, you, you, of course post gym selfie you know like that's that's motivating enough in and of itself but Mm -hmm. like i i think that there is something lost in just having a thing that's on the wall that you can't yeah look away from that's just there and 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 yes physically with you i'm a massive proponent of that i mean i have how many physical calendars do i have right now one two three i have four i have i have one in my bathroom that is my like my comedy my show calendar that is just like because every every year I like because comedy is so it's ephemeral. It's like it's not a physical thing. So I've 
I don't, I, I'm, I'm really happy I've always done this. I've always kept a physical calendar every mm-hmm. year of every show I've ever done. And at the end of the year, I add them all up. And that way I know there's how many shows I did this year. So I have like a stack of like 16 calendars that I'm like, this was my comedy career. There's other stuff too, but like this is like where my time went for the last yeah. 16 years. And I love having that pile of shit. And then I have like my little printout that's like my workout one. I have a whiteboard calendar that's on my fridge that's just like random, oh, dog vet appointments, like this, Mm -hmm. you know, just that shit so I can just remember it. And I have the Google calendar, obviously. And then I have like a a planner that I use that is also kind of a to-do list for me every day, Or but it's like for the week and it'll be like, oh, this week, this is the shit that has to happen. And like, sometimes you gotta cross it out, move it to the next week, but it's like, I, I, I will not keep a list of shit in my head. It won't happen. I just know it needs to be written out somewhere. And I, I like, I just like tactile stuff so much more than, than things on the phone. It feels a lot more real to me. Yeah. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. I don't, I have a space here on my wall mm-hmm. Yeah. that I've been meaning to put a whiteboard up and I just yeah. haven't because I procrastinate <laughs> that shit because I have ADD and I've been meaning to do that since no joke last November, like of course, get, a, get yeah. a whiteboard. Cause that's going to be good for like coding. Cause you're like pseudo code stuff out on a whiteboard. It's, it's an actual mm-hmm. practice. And, and then for like workouts, it can be, and it costs like what? Two ninety nine on, on Amazon or yeah. like if you yeah, want to use exactly. a good site or, you know, like whatever, <laughs> like it's, it's not expensive, you know, that's, mm-hmm. it's not that hard. I don't know, yeah. but it seems like you're doing really good at all of this stuff. So, yeah. like, you know, mazel. Thank you. Yeah, things are things are pretty good. I mean, I feel like I feel very like good. I'm in control of my stuff. I'm excited to grow the comedy label and see what I can do with that. I mean, I I shot my second uh uh I shot I shot my first special, my second album in Portland at the beginning of June, and that'll be out special will be out at the end of this year album will be out beginning of next year so i'm excited to like go through that process again because the first the first one genuinely like i'm really proud of that album it's like it's it's yeah it's paid my rent for oh almost eight years now and it's just really i'm really i'm just really shocked at it because it's like it's good i'm really i stand by it but i'm like it's not the best album but (laughs) cool and then you know but if i hadn't learned how to do all that shit myself i'd be in a very different place i think um you know, I would yeah. be worried and scared and not know what to do. And I would have waited for somebody else to say, hey, Brandon, you want to do another album? Like uh, so many friends are just waiting for somebody to ask them. And I'm like, just go do it. No one's going to ask. I mean, they might ask, but like, yeah, it's very unlikely. As, you gotta just yeah, do I probably it. don't have as good of a deal as what you could do for yourself either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm thankful that I, I, I have done enough at this point that I believe in myself that I can figure it out. And if I can't, I will find a way to like, and um, you know, I'm, I'm good at asking for help too. in, a, in like a professional capacity, personal, yeah, we're still working on that one, but <laughs> you know, life's a journey. <laughs> right. Well, let's do plugs. Um, you know, you mentioned yeah. your album and your, and your podcast. Let's talk a little bit about that and, uh, you know, get you out of here. Sure. Um, uh, you can listen to me every Wednesday on the Lady to Lady podcast. Uh, it's me, Barbara Gray, and Tess Barker. Uh, we uh, are three female comics that um, riff with a fourth female comic every week. Usually, sometimes, you know, we mix it up. Uh, and it's it's super fun. We've been going for, it'll, it'll be 11 years in November. So we've been almost 600 episodes now, which is crazy. Um that's every Wednesday uh, and then Picture This is my comedy animation show that happens by coastally in New York and Los Angeles uh, basically every month um, you can find all that shit at brandyposey.com or Brandazzle on 
uh, Twitter or X and uh, Instagram. Um, I'm Brad Dazzle is here on TikTok. Follow me so I have to use it, please. <laughs> um, uh, but I also use Bands in Town. If you use Bands in Town for following bands, you can also follow comedians. I post all my dates and shit on there. And my label is called Burn This Record. So you can follow us on um, Instagram. And uh, I've got a couple really, really fun things already lined up to come out um, because we're going to burn this to the ground. Hell yeah. <laughs>